and welcome to another episode of the Horror Vision Horror Podcast. I'm Sean. I'm Anthony. And I'm Ray. And uh, it's been a minute. We did a couple uh, small reviews uh, about a week ago. We won't talk about those movies tonight because we really didn't care for them. Yeah, so, shit bits. We'll yeah, shit them. bits. I like that. <laughs> so, um, but let's let's talk about what we've seen in the interim, and then you know we'll do as we always do, and we'll we'll stop the recording. We will watch a movie, and tonight we don't know what we're gonna watch. So it was we have a rotation going, and it was Tori's turn to pick a movie. She couldn't make it. Then it defaulted to Chris's turn. He couldn't make it. So we all just looked at Anthony's massive massive collection wrote down two choices on pieces of paper folded them up threw them in a bowl and kirsten is going to pick one at random and that will be our viewing so we don't know what it is yet but it'll be something good unless somebody sabotaged it and you know put in like weekend at bernie's or something then you'll get the weekend at bernie's vision is what will come back so, that's that's true although that is a form of horror um so who wants to start what do you guys see oh well wait let's just i'm sorry let's talk about the the one of the best movies of the summer that we all saw this week that absolutely blew my mind, and I think you guys would agree, uh, Ready or Not. Definitely. I mean, you know, with round of applause. Yeah. Holy shit. Great fucking film. Wow. Fantastic. Well, so, Anthony, you actually saw it the day before it opened. Yes. Because you have some kind of a magic time machine thing or whatever. <laughs> so My time thing was Cecilia just saying, hey, this is playing tonight. Did you know? I'm like, no, not at all. She's like, well, let's get tickets. So we did that. Ended up out there. Uh, the theater was pretty packed, actually. So there was a good turnout for the opening night. A lot of people caught on and, you know, already already uh, caught on to the buzz that was going around. Uh, the fact that it was attached, that trailer was attached to every friggin' movie that's been out this summer um, you know, it. it definitely helped as far as marketing went. So it was cool to see it with a with a full audience. Um, the comedy caught on. The crowd, you know, you know, caught on all the jokes really well. I mean, everybody cringed at the right times. Everybody had a good response. Other than the dickhead kid who ran in probably twenty minutes into the film and chucked a whole bucket of popcorn at the audience and then ran out screaming. What? So the film was literally almost <laughs> ruined for me. <laughs> And I was saying, I was like, you know what? This would have been a perfect, 100% perfect viewing experience with the exception of that dipshit. And I know the dipshit's probably not listening to our podcast, but if he is, thanks for listening, and you're a dipshit. Um, no, it was a great experience all around. Super funny. Samara Weaving. Unfortunately, she's getting cast, in, typecast in my opinion, in these like small... Um, comedy horror roles I mean we saw her in The Babysitter yeah. which she's fantastic in uh, what was the other one with, she's uh, in a Mayhem I haven't seen that yet yeah which is actually a pretty good flick but again oh, I didn't realize she's not yeah, I mean yeah. she's also in Three uh, three Billboards uh, She, I believe she was Woody I think I believe she was Woody Harrelson's wife if I'm not mistaken um, she's mm -hmm. popped up in a she was in the, the original I think the first time I saw her she was one of the backpackers in the last couple episodes of the first season of Ash vs. Evil Dead um, I have no idea what that is I'm just kidding. Oh, I was like, really? <laughs> he got him so good. But there's a framed poster on your wall. No, there's not a framed poster on his wall. Um, but it, it, anyway, yeah, I mean, she seems like she's hit somewhat of a stride but, yeah, here. But again, it's still the horror comedy yeah, thing yeah. that she's been doing. I, I don't hate her for it because I, I've loved her in everything I've seen her in thus far. Uh, so again, even though I kind of see her geared toward this, you know, this one, one audience... I would like to see her do something else other than genre, but at the same time, 
if this is your home, fucking yeah. welcome home. Yeah, and we're, we're, glad we're to lucky have to have you. Well, yeah, I mean, it's hard to. I mean, you know, there is a possibility that she's getting pigeonholed. But then again, maybe it's what she likes to do. You yeah. know, and if that's there the case, is a possibility yeah, that like she's wanting to be the one a new scream queen. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, um, and she's well on her way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm, I mean, I, I'm happy for her. You know, um, I think she's. She's a lot of fun to watch yeah, in movies. Um, I mean, she's, she was just so good, the babysitter. Oh, dude. Ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> she's so ridiculous. good at that. And, like, she's the same here. She's yeah. really funny. She's She can be really snarky. She has this ability to, like, sell you on maybe she's going to get killed. And then she's like, no, I'm, I'm a badass. I can take care of yeah. myself. Um, and, um... I don't know. I had some other thought, but I, I lost it a moment well, there. Well, we we both so Ray and I saw it last night, and we talked about how I felt like it was a it would be a perfect companion piece on a double header with your next. One hundred percent. It definitely. really yeah. like there was a tonal but, similarity. Yeah. Um, she reminded me of the the female lead. Now I forget the actress's name, but um, it was just so solid, and it was funny in the right places, and then. Uh, what I mean, we won't do spoilers, but I wasn't quite sure where they were gonna go with some of the things that are mentioned in the trailer. Where you're like, wait, what is the what is this all this for with him hunting her? And then when you get to the third act, like I liked the movie, and when the third act happens, I I just loved it. Yeah. And yeah. And then kind of the climax scene does this weird thing where they subvert your expectation and then kind of deliver on it at the same time in this weird way and it doesn't feel like cheating and it it just gets uproarious like it's gory in all the right places and there there's some like she but not overly some, not overly yeah. but she takes some damage no, man she does. like she there's a hurt. scene with her like sliding through a wrought iron fence that I was like oh my god no, there's definitely some winceable moments yeah, in there. Yeah, and and so Radio Silence, who did it, and it's a group. So I don't know how many people it is. I know the movie was two directors, and I believe two writers. So I've seen Radio Silence's name in Southbound. They did a, one of the segments. Uh, I believe the original VHS and something else. And I've liked everything they've done. And this, I just felt like, was the culmination of them like kind of cutting their teeth on these like short oh, stories cool. and anthology films and I'm really looking forward to what they they just they nailed something so I I think it's a universally enjoyable movie like across the board oh yeah know? no definitely in the crowd when I noticed everybody in there like when I finally took a look around you know young and old I had a, a bunch of kids in there having a good time even though they probably shouldn't have been in there watching a PG or rated R film what have you um, but yeah, everybody, the, the overall like vibe after the film was over, everybody had a good time. Yeah, like, it was, everybody it was a good had a time. great fucking time. Yeah. So. And you will too if you go watch it. Yeah, go, so go watch it. Go watch it. Definitely support this one. Yeah. Very, it's very a, good. I think that's a good point about it. I mean, because you think you watch the film and like, if you're, if you're someone that's into horror, you're going to enjoy it. But then again, if you're not, if you're someone that's like more into action, you're going to be surprised. Mm-hmm. And you're going to mm-hmm. be like, this is pretty damn damn good. And if you're into if you're a fan of dark humor, you're definitely gonna enjoy mm-hmm. it. And yeah, it it's it's got some it's got a nice cross appeal to it. Yeah. Um. And you know it does a great job. It's it's. I'm surprised that it's not um the same people that made uh babysitter, but the babysitter, but 
No, that's no, it's a not. what it's is it? McGee. McGee, which was so, I didn't. I, I'd never even heard that name before. I a knew years the name, ago. and it surprised the shit out of me because it was the guy who directed both of those Charlie's Angels movies in the late early two thousands. But yeah, he did a good job. He did a very good job of it. Moving from that, any what? What have you guys seen? Uh, the other day I had some time to myself. I said I'm gonna watch Rob Zombie's Halloween movie. And it had been some time. I remember enjoying it on uh, its theatrical run. Um, but prior to seeing it in theaters, I had stumbled upon a, a work print of it. So I had a work print at home. Um, you know, so then obviously going and watching the theatrical, it's drastically different in, in certain scenes. And uh, the pacing is very, a little, a little, more, a little bit more um, calm, I guess, for, for the theatrical cut. And then seeing the unrated director's cut, which was missing stuff from the, from, you know, both the theatrical and the the work print, and you kind of get this, whatever his vision was, that's what he put out on Blu-ray. Uh, so the white trash element to it, oh, I mean, it's, it's something that a lot of people don't like. Sean's over here, you know, William dumping, Forsythe. yeah, he's oh, just, dumping gasoline on his head right yeah. now because he hates it that much. <laughs> but uh, I mean, there are certain elements to it that uh, that were fresh and new. I mean, even though we, you know, we've seen Halloween films, you know, for the last thirty-something years, and um, so like it or hate it, it was something new um, that was exciting at the time. But having, you know, this done this rewatch, I'm noticing how Rob Zombie's hitting everything kind of like note for note, like this has to be there, this has to be there, this has to be there, and they're all scenes from the uh, from the original film. So I I liked where he was going in the beginning halfway through the film it's just it's the first film and it's boring and the pacing slows down and you're waiting for the payoff and then you finally get things picking up in the in the third part of the film where he's hunting her in the house but then it just starts to drag on too long and I'm like please end this already get it over with get it over with soon and Unfortunately, like I said, I think this came out what two thousand nine. That sounds right. I think somewhere around there, my palate has just changed, and I didn't enjoy it. Well, um, I, I, I mean, would you say it. there's also? I think I don't know. Would you say that you suffer from with that? I suffered from fan inertia because I, I like I embraced it because it was the third Rob Zombie movie. Okay. Somebody Ray and I worked with at the time was like, oh, fuck that, because, you know, it's scarier the way Carpenter does it, because it's just that opening scene, you know, that ends with him coming out and the parents, Michael, when he's holding the knife. And I'll be damned if after, and I was like, oh, no, but, you know, Rob Zombie's trying to do this, this, and this, and the next time I saw it, I was like, man, he's fucking right. It's just, none of that needs to be that. You know, that whole, it is the first movie, but with this, like, white trash prelude that just, just runs on and on. Anyway, my point being... Would you say that is it is it that your palate has changed or that that fan inertia isn't there? Um, I don't know if it had anything to do with seeing a Rob Zombie film fan. I did enjoy House of a Thousand Corpses. I did not enjoy Devil's Rejects that's right. whatsoever. That's, that's right. Um, so I went into this one a little a little leery, fifty fifty, yeah, just to see what was going to happen with it. I did enjoy the expansion of uh, Michael's youth to kind of understand why he's fucked up. So that delivery, I think, hit fairly well. But like I said, everything else in between was just the original film. Yeah. And, it, and it wasn't enough to keep it going. I probably ran off fan inertia watching it originally or running toward it just because 
I do like Halloween films. I mean, I don't like a lot of slashers. I've, I've been yeah. adamant about saying that many times. But uh, I have a soft spot for Halloween films and Michael Myers in general. So, yeah, I, I guess I, I guess you could say off fan inertia, I was like, I, I have to, fanboying it, you know, I have to go see this film and, and support the shit out of it until, you know, I saw the second one and didn't want anything to do yeah. with it. And then, um, like I said, now having gone back and rewatched it, and it has been some time, I really haven't watched that film in probably six or seven years or so. It just doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't stack up for me the way it did back then, and it really does suffer from a lot of poor pacing issues and just bad decisions as far as what we do next. It just seemed like okay, I've added my element of what I wanted to put into this film. Now I'm going to go back to just you know I've got to hit these notes. Yeah. Here, here, and here to make it to make it work, and um, unfortunately, you know that's something we saw in the 2018 one as well at times. So it is what it is. It's out there. Um, at the end of the day, I don't hate this film. Uh, it's just one of the ones that I don't know. It, it just didn't stand the test of time, unfortunately. There's some great imagery in it. Like I love that, like with the wall with masks on it and stuff yeah. like that. And and we were talking before we started recording. I, you know, I was a big fan of his escape sequence which they cut uh from the blu-ray release and uh I, you know i don't know rob zombie i really like elements of his stuff i love house of thousand corpses i do love devil's rejects even though when i saw it originally i was like this is so strange that you're just not going to mention any of the kind of weirder elements from the first movie that's just gone and you made this weird texas revenge movie but with time, I I think it's an excellent movie. It's just not as enjoyable as House because House is this big fluorescent Halloween, you know, paper mache free for Yeah, it's just crazy, it's so everything. visually yeah. arresting, and and he does kind of do a Tarantino thing where he samples. I call it like the way you know artists will sample other people's music and use it in their own. I feel like both Rob Zombie and Quentin Tarantino do the same thing where they sample certain things and, and recontextualize it in their own vision. And it works sometimes, and other times it's a little bit frustrating or infuriating. Um, I, I, I will never watch... I saw this movie, The Halloween, in the theater. I'll never watch it again. I enjoyed it in the theater, but it's just it doesn't need to exist, in my opinion. The second one, I watched on home video out of curiosity... I find it really heartening. If you go into like certain horror communities online, there are a lot of people that love, especially the second one. And more, I would never criticize. I don't get it. Like I think, if you turn the sound down on the second one, when I watched, I watched it once and was just like, "This is so bad, I can't believe it." And then I watch it again with the sound off, and I didn't focus on it for the entire runtime, but it is a gorgeously made movie visually. It just the plot and the dialogue and everything is just I, I'm not a fan of, but I love that there are people out there that really, really love it. I mean, I think that that's very cool and it showcases the way we're all different and we find different things that we like and like cool. I mean, if you dig this, that's awesome. I do not. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to Three from Hell. You know, I liked Thirty One just as because I wanted like maybe it's just because it was a Rob Zombie movie I didn't hate. I turned that one off in 15 minutes. I didn't make it 15 minutes to that flick. I think the thing about it that saves it for me is Richard Brake in the last sequence. Even though it's kind of... I, I didn't realize this the first time I saw it, but a friend of mine saw it, and he's like, dude, it's him doing the Joker. But Richard Brake's character, I absolutely loved. 
Um, and Lord, actually, Lords of Salem, I tried to watch it when it first came out, and I fell asleep and was like, ah, oh, it's garbage. I watched it about a year and a half ago, and I realized it's zombie doing Argento, yeah. and I loved it. I still, some of the dialogue makes me cringe, because I'm like, dude, it's like a 13-year-old boy wrote this dialogue <laughs> at times. But I, it doesn't matter. I really, I really liked that movie. I don't There's know if it'll hold yeah. up on another viewing, but I liked it when I watched it. So... I don't know. I three from hell. I'm I'm hoping Richard Brake is is in it. It looks like he's a a main you know character. So he was also in what was it the first Batman movie? He was in Batman Begins. I didn't know that he was Shill. He was a he was the guy who killed Batman. Oh, I yeah, didn't yeah, know yeah, that yeah. he played Shill. He's in Mandy. He's the the chemist, the yeah. guy with his fingertips in yeah. the fucking LSD, oh, tripping did balls. You wrong. <laughs> yeah. Let's the tiger go. Yeah. Uh, what Ray? What have you seen? seen quite a bit of things lately uh i saw this movie um i was working with this guy one day and he recommended this old horror movie i was like that ah, sounds cheesy sounds like it might be fun i'll check it out it's called grave of the vampire um sort of 72 mm-hmm. and i think it's a neat little t- i thought i thought of it was also as like a night neat little time capsule of like what was around then and to see how much things have changed in horror um this guy Goes out, goes speaks with his girlfriend. They go out to a graveyard, which is like a favorite place of theirs in the fifties. He proposes to her. They start making out in the car. Next thing you know, this vampire that died three days before, and they didn't realize it was a vampire, and they buried him. Comes out of his grave, kills the guy, rapes the girl. You don't yeah. see the rape though; it's okay, off screen. That's good. That's good. Uh, like everything happens, and then like the next morning, she's at the hospital, and they're like, "She's been raped. We don't know what's going on." Um, left pregnant, leaves the hospital with the other patient she's in the, like the same room with, comes home, and of course the baby is not quite human, not quite a vampire either. And uh, it fast forwards from like the baby being born and like the mother taking care of it for a little bit to it being a full grown man who's burying his mother and swearing revenge on the vampire. Oh that my made god! Him. Awesome! Wow. Uh, it's fucking. Cheese of shit. Like, what year is this from? 72. Huh. Um, and the guy, like, he's not a vampire, but he has some strength to him. And the father has is truly entrenched himself in modern day. And, like, he's actually an occult professor at a, at a junior college. And he enrolls in the classes, knowing that it's his dad. And sits there the entire time and, like, does these, like, weird inter- inter- exchanges with him. And it's cheesy, but I, I thought it it was somewhat enjoyable. Like, I was like it okay. sounds interesting, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so let's check that out. Um, <clears throat> and then the other thing was that I told them uh, I've been on this uh, Joe Bob's kick with Shutter. So I watched a whole bunch of his presentations and things. Some things uh, worked out better than others. Uh, I watched Chud. I watched um, Prom Night Two. I watched. Uh, it's not. It's called Blood. Blood Feast, right? Blood Harvest. Blood Harvest. Blood Harvest. That's right. It's a Tiny Blood Tim Harvest. movie. The Tiny Tim movie. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The original. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Which was he one did of that the better on his, ones. He did that on his Diners of Death yes. special, the yes. four movies for mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. Yeah. So that one was enjoyable. Uh, the first Phantasm, which I honestly never watched completely, and then seeing it completely. Let me ask you, is this the first time you'd seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre? In its entirety, yes. Ah, okay. I'd seen bits and pieces here and there. It's the first time I sat down and watched the entire thing. What'd you think? I liked it. Yeah, it's a good I it's liked a, it's it. A, it's, it's, it's an interesting film because it's so, like, 
to hear that it was a band movie yeah. and that people were like, it's so gory, and I'm like, oh, it's not not hardly anything. No, they had no budget for any of yeah, that stuff. Like yeah, like oh, like the goriest thing that happens, I feel like is maybe the whole old man sucking her finger. <laughs> yeah, but like the two creepiest moments, the moments that I thought like, ooh, those are far creepier, are. Um, when he falls down and Leatherface starts like ch- like it's going into his own leg and he's like ah yeah. and gets up like that's a pretty like interesting that's like you know they threw up some they threw some money at that effect. Um, when the hippie dude gets run down, I guess three things. But when the fucking hippie dude pulls out the knife and cuts his hand and starts th- like trying to spread the blood <laughs> on all of them, I was like that's fucking creepy. Like yeah. it's a weird moment and I was like oh shit. Um, but I liked it. I, I liked. Uh, it was. It's just surprising to me that, like, you know, it, it's one of those films like uh, like people think of as being so terrible. And then when you watch it, it's like the original Halloween, The Carpenter, and you're like, wait, this is almost bloodless. Yeah. What the fuck are yeah. they talking about? Like, um. So I liked that. Uh, I watched the original Phantasm, uh, the the, the remaster, um. I was, I had the same problem that Joe Bob has with it, which is like, there's points where you're just like, what is going on? Like, yeah. Did you, were you, were you with us a couple years ago? Beyond Fest had the the 4K remaster. We saw it on the big screen. I didn't see it with me. I thought you were there. I couldn't make it. I couldn't make it to that because that was the same night that they showed it and Ravager, right? Yeah, it was that and the premiere of Ravager, which is awful. I mean, I just... Well, you know the original isn't Shakespeare, but, <laughs> but I feel like the original. The original has a lot. I really like the, the thing original. that killed me about the original was that there was no involvement in law enforcement at all. No, like, no, no. one's like, let's call the cops. Um, you can't call the cops on Angus. And I, yeah, did, I don't understand why the Big Brother his 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 uh, his honest response to keeping his younger brother safe was, "All right, I'm gonna go there." Go back to the house. Like, he can't think and figure out where he, you live and break in some windows. Yeah. I mean, literally, that last sequence, he tells him, go back to the house. The kid actually listens to him, goes back to the house. And then there's the fucking tall man. And I was like, I don't blame this kid for what, not wanting to stay in the house. What's the scene where they, what is, is it the tall man's finger or something? And then t- they have and it turns into that weird bug. What, it, what It's a piece oh, of him. I can't remember what the yeah, piece the, of him is. Yeah, it cuts off his fingers. That it's, is just such a creepy, creepy. It's it's when they're it's 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 when they're trying to escape him from like the basement of the um, mortuary of the mortuary, and he sticks his hand through the door, yes, yeah, and yeah, the yeah. brother chops the, the fingers fin- yes, off. That's right, and then the fingers start moving around. There's that yellow, there's the like, yellow fluid yeah. that comes out of him. I, I love that. It it is such a weird. It's a weird. Yeah, I mean, and it is by the end of the movie, there starts to be this thing where it's like, it's what is going on? Movie. Like, w- w- there's layers of reality. Yeah, which is arguably like that in Ravager. There's too much of that. I feel like, like really, it just becomes this thing where it's like it almost becomes like. Lynch like well, you know, in a way, it was but interesting. It I mean, I, you know, in, what I like about watching the Joe Bob version of things, and it totally works with this, is he gives you this insight yeah. into like the making of and the people who made them, and to find out that this Don Coscarelli is that the way his mm-hmm. name is said was this guy who like wanted to make movies, so got his parents to finance a movie for him, so he went and made this film. And, like, you find out that, like, Reggie is actually played by a guy named Reggie. Yeah. He was just some friend of his. 
And you're like, oh, so this is just some guy who went and wanted to make a movie, went out and made it. Yeah. And they're like, okay. So it kind of adds something to like the film, and you're like, okay, well, knowing that, I'll give it a break yeah. on some of the weird shit, and like the shit that doesn't make sense. Um, I can I was, give the guy. I was shit. creeped out <laughs> by like the thing of like where the where it's where he, like where it's the tall the, man disguised as the, a woman, as the lavender woman, and he's like, because he totally like fucks some dudes, right? Like, yeah, it doesn't and then stabs just, him. Yeah, it doesn't just like happen where like they kind of go to second base or something and feel up. No, the they're fucking. They are fucking, and then they're done, <laughs> and then the tall like so the tall man can surprise yeah. conceivably <laughs> likes to be pulled occasionally before he stabs somebody. <laughs> That says something weird about the tall man. I'm just saying. Boy! (laughs) I won't give the guy any shit. Coscarelli did fucking, was it Beastmaster? He also did Beastmaster. Oh, you know what? I love Beastmaster. Beastmaster. Beastmasters are so weird. Beastmaster is like Conan, but with a weird, creepy shit. Okay. And then he did uh, Bubba Hotep. Yeah, I love Bubba Hotep. I still don't watch Bubba Hotep. It's funny, the thing about Bubba Hotep, I saw that when it premiered in Chicago in like, um, I think it was at the Music Box. It was, you know, a small premiere or whatever, but. I've seen the movie multiple times. When I tried to show it to Kirsten about a year and a half ago, I was... You know, sometimes when you show someone something, you become, like, like hyper-aware of what you're showing them? You're watching it wrong. And, well, like... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It was depressing. I'm like, my God, this movie feels so depressing. It is. And, like, I didn't remember it being... I remembered it being hilarious, and it is, but it was really depressing. So, like, I don't even think we made it through that viewing. I was like, I don't think this is the... This is the time to watch this, so we'll get back to it. I mean, I, I love the movie. He did John Dies at the end. That movie is That's insane. Yeah. I, he's definitely talented. I, I like the, you know, my John Bickness, the Viking that was on the show a couple months ago, on our show a couple months ago. He always says he likes the second Phantasm better than the first. That one's nasty, man. I, and I always liked the fact that it start. you know, it's like where they're on the, Reggie and uh, the, the kid brother, is it Mike, are on the road, and like these towns are all. Ghost towns because the the tall man has been through here and raided the bodies out of the cemetery and blah 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 and it starts to take on these kind of apocalyptic tones and it's cool like you could start to see Coscarelli had this really big vision for it and I and it kind of keeps going through the third and the fourth I'm I've seen both of those but not in years although Joe Bob did show them and they're on Shutter uh, um, perpetually his Christmas special was just all five movies <laughs> and. Um, I always liked that he had these grander visions. I remember in the early 2000s hearing he was going to redo it and that it was going to have a bigger budget and he had envisioned it as like a Star Wars, like the Star Wars of horror is what I read. I don't remember if it was a direct quote or like somebody putting it in that context, but it sounded so big. And then that didn't happen. And I think Ravager was this movie that like kind of came out of that where it ended up not being rebooted. And instead he made this sequel you know this fifth installment that had these kind of grand designs but i think ultimately didn't pull it off like remember it just... we had talks of bubba knows for yeah yeah as well, well remember Her- Her- Perlman was attached yeah for a while. he was so yeah. i i mean obviously he's got a lot of ideas and and i, I think he's a i think he's a great uh filmmaker so somebody yeah. give him money yeah give him some money give him some money and then the last two that uh that original that joe bobs that i watched was um chud um, which, as I was saying, like when I was a kid, I used to see the you know the cover art and, and the it looks scary. and the poster, and I thought it was so scary, and I thought it was going to be so creepy. And then to watch it, I was like, "This is all monster hands." Yeah, like he said, it's all monster hands. I was surprised by the actors in it, but I yeah. was like, 
holy fuck, is that, you know... Well, they were... I love Joe Bob's explanation. They were basically slumming it, that they ran into each other at a New York party. We're like, oh, let's make a horror movie for, you know, for laughs. And there's only two scenes where you get full monsters. Oh, dude, she it's was the chanting one. the whole movie. Like, his Joe Bob's interruptions, he'll be like, we still love Chuds. We're like 40 minutes in the movie. She starts chanting, Chud. Chud, 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 and there's I, still no fucking Chud. You know chuds. what? I want to rewatch it with you. Oh, dude, it's so frustrating. I because I had never seen it. Before. No, it's true. Like, there's only two scenes. One is the um, one is when Daniel Stern and what's his name? Um, I forgot the father from uh, Home Home, uh, Home Alone's father, the name of the character, the actor. But when he and Daniel Stern are trying to get out of the. Uh, the underground, mm-hmm. the under the sewer, and they're just they get lost, and then they come into that room where there's four chuds there, and, yeah. Like, eh? yeah. and you get that really like that moment where they're looking at him, and they're like, "Oh shit, break out!" And it had a kind of Laurel and Hardy thing, yeah, to it, or like um, what's the name of those other horror movies? Abbott and Costello, yeah, like, yeah. oh no, monsters, and yeah, then they, like know, Dracula they, chasing them around yeah. the coffin, right? <laughs> and I was like, okay. But the one, and then the other one is with the girlfriend in the apartment and the chud yeah, attacks her ridiculous. and the growing neck. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like when she when it started to grow the longer neck, I was like, oh, they have more powers. So the one thing that 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 like did for me though was this. It kind of made me disappointed that like they if they had these potential to like grow their necks and limbs or things like yeah, that. Yeah, why didn't we? See why didn't we see more of yeah. that? Why didn't we see more of them on camera? It was <laughs> weird to see like some of the cameos that they are like, oh here, look here's John Goodman as yeah, a yeah, cop. yeah the cop yeah and he gets first murdered, movie I think and, right really I think so. And, <laughs> like oh jeez, um, but then the other one that I the last one that I saw and like I have to say I actually really enjoyed the shit out of it was Prom Night 2 Hello Mary Lou ah it's so cheesy and bad but it's so 80s yeah. and like a clone of Carrie but with a weird sexuality yeah. including a like I love the stuff with the um, with the rocking horse that was so creepy it grows a tongue. Yeah. Why does the ghost make a rocking horse grow a tongue? I mean, the why rocking not? horse. Why the fuck the not? The rocking horse was already creepy in and of itself. I know. If I die before you, eyes. I know how I'm going to haunt your ass. I mean, even before she did anything to it, it had weird eyes already. And then she made him worse. And then it grows a tongue and she's rocking on it and like playing with the tongue. And then the father comes in and she starts making out with him heavy. <laughs> and then there's the whole scene where she's walking around naked, which fantastic great body so why not um you know i had to be really sexist but i did enjoy the shit out of the out of the nudity i was like all right cool it's 2019 um, nudity's no laughing matter right <laughs> um but yeah I, I did enjoy the shit out of it for its cheesiness the story like it has some really interesting kills i think i like it better than the first prom night well i have still haven't seen the first i had to watch the first prom night but i love that scene where she like is cheat like, she's chasing the friend around after she's come on to her, and the friend's like, no! And I love the fact that she... It's literally homosexual panic that she yeah. has. Like, she's so scared. It's not because she thinks she's gonna get murdered. It's because she has... A, she's, like, so scared of the fact that her friend just kissed her, and she's like, homosexual panic! I've so got she's it! she's running <laughs> yeah, yeah. around, yeah, so she's running around, hides in a locker, and then she just smushes her. And it's just weird, like, Juice comes out, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, she just juiced her in the line. Nice. Juiced her. 
Why not? And that whole end sequence where she comes out of fucking the girl and like Mary Lou emerges from out of her, I was like, they spent some money on that effect. I kind of like yeah. that. And then she goes from like burnt, burnt like corpse to a human again. And I was like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm enjoying the shit out of this movie. That's a good. I like the ending. But yeah, so that's what I've been watching. That's cool, Sean. Yes. I. Uh... So a couple weeks ago, I watched uh, this movie, The Transfiguration, popped up on oh, Shutter. Beautiful film. Really, that's I, on there now. I, I had, yeah, I had no idea what it was. Yeah, it was on Netflix for ages. No idea what it was, and I, I put it on, and I was, I was so pleased. Uh, directed by Michael O'Shea, and I'm watching it, and you know the setup is so it's a, I, guess, I think it's supposed to be a 14 year old uh, kid in the projects, black kid, and he's a weirdo, right? Like, everybody dislikes him. Like, there's the gangbangers, and they, they beat him up. Like, the one kid pisses on him. Um, he lives with his brother, who is recently back. You eventually find out he's recently back from, uh, I believe it's, you know, like, the desert conflict. And he must have, like, PTSD or something, because it doesn't seem like he ever leaves the couch, just watches TV. But he's not he's not really a bad brother. I mean, he's not great, but there's some good moments. They just recently lost their mother? Yeah, and they just recently well. lost yeah. their mother. And so he befriends and eventually like starts this the, the kid uh, this relationship with a, a white girl that moves in and it's like she's got a fucked up history and she's living with her uncle or grandfather who's completely fucked up and like hits her and stuff and it's about their relationship but also the fact that this kid thinks he's a vampire and so you'll see t- he hunts people and he'll kill them and actually drink their blood and it's it. It's really well done. But I'm watching, it takes place in New York. I'm watching this movie and I'm like, man, this really reminds me of Larry Fessenden movies. And then sure enough, Larry Fessenden uh, makes a cameo. And I'm does. like, damn, man, there's just such an aesthetic to some of the, this New York kind of East Coast scene that kind of seems to revolve around Fessenden and people he knows and glass eye picks and whatnot. And I'm a fan, so. Absolutely. Really liked it, though. I, I, I thought it was a very subtle movie. I thought it just. It introduced a lot of ideas, and you know, it it leaves you wanting more, but not in a way that was manipulative. Uh, so I really, really like that. Then um, another one I watched recently, uh, my cousin was in, and he, we just picked a movie one night. Uh, we had gotten back from the desert, and we were kind of tired, and he picked The Dead Zone, which I had never seen. Really? Wow. And I gotta say, like the, I think, so my cousin Charles, Kirsten, and I watched it. I think all three of us were thinking for the first like maybe hour like oh, this might maybe we should just turn this off and start something else because I I wasn't loving it. And it's Cronenberg. It's it was, fucking Cronenberg. It was one of those movies I didn't know Cronenberg did until yeah. like a couple of years ago. I was like really, so, but I gotta say they pull it out of the fire and like the ending of it is absolutely, I mean, I loved it. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's good. It's definitely not Cronenberg's best movie by any stretch. I think it's probably, I, I, without researching it. It's really restrained. I think it's him. Okay. I think a major studio said, hey, we're doing this adaptation of this hot young writer who's had a couple other, you know, Carrie and Firestarter yeah. or whatever, and we like you to do it. And I think he did it because it was a chance to advance his career and whatnot. And he was probably inhibited by the, working in the studio system. I don't know. That's just a guess. Um, but... I, I like ultimately I liked it. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. That scissor suicide scene is just fantastic. I was gonna say yeah, that's <laughs> insane. That's one of those scenes that people talk about. Yeah, that's one of those scenes that everyone is. Although, oh my god. Like you see him setting up to do that and you're like, Oh 
And then when it cuts and they go in and find him, he's in a position I don't think he would have been in. Probably it's, not. It's a really <laughs> weird, like, non sequitur, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I dug that. And then the other thing, only other thing I want to mention is we started, uh, had been, we watched the first season of Mindhunter on Netflix maybe eight months ago, probably not even, like February, March. Serial killer stuff is not, it tends to get too deep under my skin. Like, I love Seven, but I have trouble with it because even though it's a very well-made movie, it's an unbelievable script, it's so, it's just, the serial killer thing, it's so real and and just, I don't know. But this, it's got to do with the fact that it's Fincher doing it, so it's very classy. I just absolutely loved it. For both of us, we loved the first season, and um, and he's no stranger to true crime. We all saw Zodiac. Zodiac, right? yeah. Um, oh, I'm, I'm, I just had her name. I'm blanking on her name. In the first season, also it dovetailed. I just watched Dead Wax, and the girlfriend in the first season for the main FBI agent is the lead in Dead Wax. So that was kind of cool. Um, but we've been waiting for season two, and it finally started. And damn, I mean, in I'm two episodes in right now. I just started it yesterday. It just gets better and better. I, I mean, right wait. off the bat, That's I'm fantastic. like, this is so masterfully done. So I just, I think it's just such a great show. Yeah, I think Cecilia and I started watching it. It was like two years ago that it yeah, came out it's before. Been, so it's, yeah. been, it's been some time, and then when they announced it, it just kind of came out of the blue. We're like, oh, they're doing a second season. Finally. Finally, yeah. So, yeah, I sat down and started watching it yesterday, and it's it's been amazing getting back into that really creepy-ass creepy. world that they've created. Creepy. So I'm really excited to continue watching that one. Yeah. Oh, excellent. It's very, very good. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Oh, and then the last film that I, I uh, had a chance to sit down and watch after having watched the, you know, debacle that was Halloween, Rob Zombie's Halloween, was another one of uh, Cronenberg's better films yes my favorite Videodrome outstanding which is still wet and soppy and gooey and sexy and creepy and here I am just having watched this film thinking you know it wasn't good enough it wasn't violent enough and then watching Videodrome and it's about that culture of people that are constantly looking for the next new um, extreme in cinema or what have you or in, in show telling what have you um Still holds up extremely well. Yeah, it does. Special effects are still fucking fantastic. Yep. Um, Debbie Harry, like I said, sexy and disturbed as, as, as she is in that film. Got me fantastic. porno? Really? <laughs> Gets me in the mood. Yeah. Why don't you try get out your pocket knife and cut me on my neck? Yes. It turns me on. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That kind of stuff. Um, and just, you know, watching the you know her twist. I'm sure by now everybody has seen Videodrome. So there's no spoilers. Well, you can't spoil it anyway, because yeah. really, like, what the fuck is it about? Like, it's, exactly. it's arguable what even happens in that movie. Exactly. Uh, but, I mean, you know, she takes off and she goes and, and goes in search to of uh, these people that are putting out Videodrome, the show, who wants to be a part of it because she wants to be ravaged by them. It's absurd, the kind of shit that happens in it. Still, to this day, one of the best Cronenberg films. Yeah. By far. By far. Um, I was so glad to sit down and rewatch that one. Such a joy and pleasure to watch again. And uh, I actually can't wait to see it again when I have time. It's it's just that fucking good. Yeah. Videodrome, long live the new flesh. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely um, watch that one if you haven't yet. Because it's it, fucking fun. It's so good. I mean, I watch it fairly regularly. It's one of the movies I could throw on. like, And I don't do that with a lot of movies. But that one... It is, it's just, it's very, 
there's an element of it that reminds me of David Lynch because it's like you can just you have to talk about it if you watch it because it's like what did I see? What was real? What wasn't? The best interpretation I've ever heard. Uh, there's this podcast I love out of Chicago called Double Murder, and okay. it's two guys. They um, the one guy's in a band called Canadian Rifle that's outstanding, but they basically take two movies and they A and B them, and then they say what they think the better movie is, or and, and so they do one where it's Videodrome and Existence. But their discussion on Videodrome introduced things into my interpretation of it that I did like I just didn't get upon like the couple viewings I had had. So I watched it again fairly within the last like six to eight months, and uh, and I I listened to that afterwards, and it just it really accented it nicely. And I, and I, honestly, I was just thinking about watching it like two days ago. I was like, I should throw that on, or like it's just constant. I just love that movie. Love that movie. One more thing I wanted to touch on was two weeks ago, Sean and I, and Kirsten, actually, we went out to uh, Midsummer Scream oh, here yeah, in Long yeah. Beach, California, which was, it, it's a, you know, our local uh, horror movie uh, slash haunted house convention. You know, there's a couple stars here and there spread out. Um, ended up being a pretty good time. Uh, any highlights that you'd like to mention? Yeah, I mean, well, we saw the... Um, it was pretty overwhelming. It was, it, a was, whole, it was a whole weekend of... Of stuff. I'm gonna defer to Kirsten on this. So we saw, so the I know. So the first day, Anthony and Cecilia, you guys went to that haunted mansion. Yes. Uh, uh, presentation, and we went to um, you know, uh, a, a real witch uh, presentation where it was they just oh. they had put together several people that were like from like practicing magic kind of whatever it was really good actually I from really, the occult community yeah there you go thank you and i really really in, enjoyed that um what was the other oh and then we got to see a live uh taping a shockwaves podcast yes. which is very cool shout out to uh shockwaves yeah, yeah shout out to shockwaves and um second day kirsten and i saw you you what, what, what i go ahead the curious creations of Christine McConnell. So we saw the Christine McConnell panel, and it was very cool. So that, if you don't know, it's a show on on Netflix that uh, bafflingly. Oh yeah, I've seen a couple of. It's very popular. I feel like at least it seems like everybody that I talk to, like there's always people that are oh I love the show, and it didn't get picked back up, which is kind of baffling. But it's like if Tim Burton had a cooking show kind of thing. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Well, it actually. They announced that it got picked up for a second season, and then just I feel I feel like just a few days later, she announced that it wasn't going to happen or whatever. Oh, that I they, didn't I didn't realize that. Yeah, so it was that. like it got renewed, and I was so excited, and then right away they took it back, and they were like, nope. Wow. Because I remember them announcing her panel for this. And I'm like, oh, good. She's getting you know she's already got some notoriety, so it's really cool to see her featured at this con. And then literally days later, sorry guys, the show got canceled. And I was like, I really felt for her. I was like, she's got to go out there and push this show that's been canceled now, yeah. and still try to market herself. So I, I, you know, it's unfortunate how that that whole thing fell apart with Netflix. She's so talented with all, woodworking and and just cooking and baking, all this stuff. But they brought up on the panel the fact that like even if the show gets picked up by somebody, like the show, like all the characters, because it's her acting amidst these Henson puppets and or well they're puppet like one is a guy in a suit that's a giant werewolf and then there's the the uh, skinless cat that was an egyptian god and 
and the raccoon the dead raccoon the dead raccoon, the dead raccoon. Yeah. and like it's just it's so charming and but all those characters are owned by like Netflix so even if she moves on she might not be able to take the characters with her so it's just, it's just this weird clusterfuck and so I don't know but it was a very enjoyable panel I mean everybody involved was fantastic the showrunner I forget his name but he was absolutely great you know what I don't understand about that just to add one little on the whole Netflix thing and how they revive shows or they don't revive shows, I don't quite understand how they... I mean, obviously they can kind of track how a show is popularity based on people who watch it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if it has somewhat of an audience, this is a pay subscription service. So why not just throw out a new fucking series? New season at least. At least one. Like... Unless you're starting to lose money, yeah, right. Like, what's, what's the what's the why? Money? That's like, you know, I never thought. Of I that. don't understand that. Like, I, that that bothers me because I've seen a couple, like two or three episodes of that show, and it's a pretty good show. It is a pretty good show, and like it's it's an interesting show because it has like a it mixes two genres. It mixes like a kind of like sitcommy, funny, it, like strange, you know, goth kind of sensibility. With a cooking show, yeah, because it literally is her sitting there telling you how to do some of this stuff. Like, I saw an episode where she built a house, a cake oh, house, yeah, a haunted house. I mean, everything's horror and themed, and which she I love, was yeah. like, "Here's how you do this. Yeah. I'm gonna make this great little snack, and here's how to make it." Yeah. And you like can watch that, just that little section of it, and be like, "I'm gonna fucking try that." Like, and then it goes into the whole like little like you know sitcom yeah. stuff. And so well, it kind of nicely interweaves it. So it's not yeah. just boring ass cooking show. It's like it's not the frugal fun. gourmet. Yeah, it's no. or, or even like all those shows where like they're co- competing against each other. Yeah. It's just someone making stuff, but then like there's this fun little element to it. And I, I don't know. It's strange to me that they would renew something. I like agree. That. I totally agree. Anyway. On the second day of the con, I had the pleasure, distinct pleasure, of having been able to sit down and watch a live podcast with mick garris his his uh podcast post-mortem another recommendation which is solid and fantastic if you don't know who mick garris is i'm gonna slap you (laughs) repeatedly uh the guy is sensational easily the classiest thing that i saw there at the con it was that or the uh girls that were dressed like freddy krueger shaking their ass all over the stage in front of uh children who were there. I, I miss that. Were there. Yeah, it was horrible. Um, so yeah, I do have my complaints about some of this stuff at the con, but having been able to sit down and like watch Mick Garris' show, uh, he had Lynn Shea on from Insidious fame, also uh, shitloads of like Fairly Brother comedies and stuff like that. Teacher in the original Nightmare on Elm Street, like small part, but... Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And, and she, you know, touched on that briefly, but also touched on her horror career and comedy career, and it was just fantastic to be able to sit down up close uh watch mick work and then afterward he was such a kind guy made sure and stuck around i just wanted to shake his hand and tell him i was a fan and you know thanks for what you do and keep it up didn't ask him to sign anything there was plenty of people doing that and he had no problem doing that either for 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 everybody uh just super nice guy all around fantastic setting fantastic uh show I, I actually it's not even up yet i don't think they're done editing okay. it yeah right. but it was because it was a live you know a live thing that they did but hands down 
coolest thing that I saw. Just wanted to touch on that. Please, you guys also support uh, Mick Garris's uh, post mortem yeah, podcast. Definitely. Fantastic. And uh, we're going to move right on to what film we're going to watch. So, Kirsten, if you want to grab the uh, fishbowl, fishbowl of horror, and see what we're going to watch at random, we actually wrote down uh, our picks in secret. And uh, she's about to grab a film. We're going to see what we watch right now. And the winner is. I knew that was going to come up. What? Tailspin. We're watching Tailspin, everybody. Disney's classic. Tailspin. So one of my picks. Uh, something we've been talking about watching for like a year. What is it? Found. Found. Let's do it. So okay. let's do it. All right. So well, tonight we're watching Found, everybody. And we'll be back. Uh, and we'll talk about that very soon. What's Found? Okay. We just watched Found. Um... Wow. Uh, so what'd you guys think? That was uh, borderline batshit. That was pretty yeah. cool. That was pretty good. Um, not a typical horror film. More of a thriller drama. But uh, eventually ending in like, you know, the realms of horror. It's pretty fucked up. 2012 directed by Scott Shermer also written by Scott Shermer the score first of all really so this movie is very much a modern what would have been considered a video nasty 30 years ago oh easily yeah easily and like Anthony was even saying while we were watching it, that it was you, you said it was banned or like banned in several countries and heavily edited. Well, edited enough to where I think some of those shocking moments, kind of like a Serbian film, where like that extra minute and thirty seconds that's missing totally makes the film. Right. I think had it been missing from this film, it would have been something that missed the mark. But because it's intact, the unrated edition that we did see really did hit a lot harder. Well, and so that's interesting. Like I, I don't think it's, I think the scene that. So, first of all, we're going to go full spoiler. So if you haven't seen it, don't listen to this. That being said, this is a couple years old, so, you know. Yeah, it came out in 2012. You should have seen it yeah. by now. Well, we just saw it, so. But, True. But, but if you're listening, you've probably just seen this. So, or, or you have seen it. Um, I think the scene that I'm going to guess was edited where, was where the brother walks in with an enormous heart on covered in his parents' blood, right? Yeah. Most likely. Um, I can yeah, see how that would maybe ruffle some tail feathers. I'm gonna guess that the other stuff, especially like the countries like Australia, you said it was more well, it was edited, and like some others, like for Great Britain, I'm I'm guessing that it might have been the exploitation movie he watches, the headless. Yeah, film. probably. Like some of the more gruesome parts of yeah. it, like the eyeball. Which is actually the director's first movie, right? Or is it well, a full I, length? You or know what? I was looking up, and what, from what I saw, it was actually just a film within a film. It's a short, yeah. But then oh, what happened was expanded that he crowdfunded it, and they're oh. gonna, and they decided to actually expand it and make it into. Oh, that's film. kind of disturbing. In twenty, so there's a full length film of that. There's a yeah, there's <laughs> a film wow. that was made in twenty sixteen that like expands that concept. Because so that must have been the Blu-ray I didn't grab. Okay, yeah, I so didn't. I wasn't aware. That was very much video nasty. Oh, definitely. Even even yeah. more. So this is kind of like a video nasty, but with a lot more going on, right? But yeah. that that seems like that's what that. 
definitely was. Um, I mean, this takes place in... Seems like 80s, they don't make a big deal about it, but then also there's an X-Files poster in the garage. It could so, be early 90s. So yeah. early 90s. I mean, it gets into the realm of horror, especially with that film within a film, and then especially towards the end. But it, it, it feels a little bit without the gorier elements. It very easily falls into like a horror thriller, I mean a mystery thriller kind of noir, like film format. Especially with the whole thing of like the brother suspecting his brother, and then he's fairly certain. But it, it the interesting thing about this film is that it, it doesn't it doesn't um, save the viewer in the way that it doesn't save the kid. And like you know, you have movies where like some twelve year old isn't you know trying to catch the killer, and then at the end of the movie, he's like, "Oh my god, it's my brother." And then the police or something, something little at the last moment. Like another movie, I feel like if this was like a big, if this was like more of a Hollywood film, they would have had that moment where like he knocks out the brother and then the brother wakes up, little brother wakes up, Marty wakes up in the bed and he's tied down and he hears the parents screaming and he hears the brother going, like he, he see the brother walks out of the room and he knows like, oh my God, he's going to kill the parents. I feel like a Hollywood movie would have had a police showing up at that moment, like knocking at the door, like, there's no police department. Yeah, we know you're in there. Or Come somebody out. that was and set up earlier because, would have Yeah, because right? the thing is, is that it, everyone would have, like, in, in the moment that that hit in a regular, in a Hollywood film, everyone would have been like, oh, the, the friend. Yeah. And, like, the friend had finally told his parents what he'd seen. Yeah, right, right. And then he had, to, he had turned around and called, and they had called the cops, and the cops were there, and they were there there to arrest the brother and they save the parents at the last second this movie doesn't do that this movie goes the friend is so terrified that he's not gonna fuck around and tell anybody and it leaves this poor kid to the devices of trying to defend himself against his brother and although the brother isn't gonna murder him he doesn't mind killing everyone else around him and you're like oh shit it doesn't have that savior moment it has this poor kid having to work everything out still for himself like literally he says the end of the movie this kind of thing would will fuck a person up for yeah. good and you're like oh my god this kid is still maintaining yeah i mean he's, he's a really well, badass he, his his existence is is pretty pretty awful so it seems like he's like really learned to maintain like tenfold you know um hey you know god bless him because like you know, maybe there, maybe you could make a follow-up film like tw- like ten, fifteen years from now, where his brother is still some serial killer out there murdering people, and he's become a police. No, like... that would be whack. <laughs> briefly, briefly, a quick synopsis of the film because he's still is, containing himself. Briefly, a quick synopsis of the film is this kid goes into his older brother's closet, snooping around, finds a bowling ball bag, takes it to a bowling alley, and. He thinks he's about to play, you know, a game of, of bowling and finds a severed head in the bowling ball bag. Now, this has already happened as the film starts. Yeah, so you don't see it. He's yeah. telling you this in so narration. The, so the kid knows and continually goes back and forth to the his brother's uh, closet to open the bag to see which new head is in there. And there's always a new head. He says, uh, and it changes. Some he said he every was, couple weeks. Yeah, every it couple weeks, yeah. It's another black woman, and all the hair is pulled out. And um, so now it starts this, you know, ongoing. It's not a cat and mouse, but it's more along the lines of, I know what he is. I'm not ratting him out. 
and I'm still trying to connect with him on some level because yeah. he he does in some some form or another kind of idolize his brother. He watches the same horror films he likes. He's getting into the same music he likes. Um, he emulates him in certain ways his, in his style of dress, his haircuts, you know, things like that. Um, and little by little, you know, this, this kid is starting to unravel because he's being, you know, picked on at school. He's being hassled by his parents. And his older brother, the killer, is giving him tips on how to cope and survive in a, in a world that's seemingly out to get him and seemingly unfair. Um, that familial uh, background that they give there is kind of the, uh, the glue of this film in mm-hmm. my opinion it's just this dynamic between these two brothers that are trying to survive as, as separate entities and it's very uh, it is heartfelt at, yeah. at some points um, but you also see you know that there's something you know obviously much more deep rooted in, in evil that exists within the older brother who is uh, emulated uh, things from horror films a little too much and as you know well let's say they've awakened things in him a, a huge thing in him yeah. <laughs> being his probably his foot long penis <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, this film oh, no. uh, this I film like if he had a foot long penis you yeah. really wouldn't be homicidal yeah. This film tends to go to uh, certain taboos that, I, I oh, obviously murder is a huge taboo, but uh, the next one is like racism. Like well, there's necrophilia. Yeah. And I was thinking about cannibalism you know, yeah, and... whether or not that's the thing that they shaved out. Because there's that one moment reveal where the brother's like, he gives, he gives his, his reasoning for why he kills and it's totally fucking racist. Yeah. So it's like, well, ha- if they cut that, you know, 45, 90 second snippet out, it totally changes the pace totally of why the brother is a killer. Well, but also that's never really played upon again. And, yeah. and I even found myself wondering, is that even true? I mean, they do a really good job of not defining what's wrong with the brother. There's that moment where like, okay, so the young brother is like in his room snooping around. It's raining out, but he hears him coming through the window. Yeah. So he hides under the bed and then the brother is... Well, he was he was looking for something or whatever. Flashlight. And he, flashlight. He stands up, and then the camera goes from the kid's perspective to like to watch the brother, and he's staring at himself in the mirror, and he's like, "What is he?" He's like, "Can, can you handle, handle it? Can you handle it? Can you handle it?" And then he's like, he yeah, changes his demeanor, there. and he's like, "I can handle anything you got." And it's like, "Oh, is there like?" Oh, he's totally nuts. Are there two people in there? Well, like, is the gas mask? I, I he feel gas for mask. certain yeah. gas mask schizophrenia like we're dealing with. I. I I, I, I was says I mean I, I, I understood I, you you were correct that like to a certain extent the horror movies have awakened something inside of them but I don't but that's I, why I, is the racism real I'm a little bit hesitant I think it is I think it is I'll come back to that okay but I think I'm a, I'm a little I'm always a little hesitant to like blame art for people because like I don't know for example like you know the other thing that someone could easily cite from watching this film. Uh, on a on some kind of amateur psych level, is be like, well, we also listen to metal. Yeah. You know what though? You know, there's been studies, and they find that people who who are into heavy metal and listen to heavy are the metal, nicest people. When they listen to it, it calms them down. Yeah. 
Like, it's the it's the people who aren't in heavy metal that, like, are like, ah, this is jarring, and it's fucking, like, where they're like, I like to listen to Streisand and understand kill people. I, well, there might yeah, be people who do that. Um, but there might be people who do that. But then again, I mean, I'm just saying that, like, you know, the people who, like, react and are like, how come you don't get really amped and angry? I'm like, well, because those people that are into metal, it doesn't do that to them. It, it Like, the studies have found it actually makes them calmer. They go. They channel their anger yeah. through the music, and they, therefore they don't have to feel like they have to go smash someone's face in. They go, I'm going to listen to this, and it's going to make me feel like I don't have to. But if you ever want to, Hell Awaits is a great fucking <laughs> record to go do. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I think that like the brother definitely has some kind of psychosis going on. He definitely Absolutely. has some like there's there, there's a, like he, he even says like the, you know there's moment there's so many moments in this film where like. He's dealing with two versions of his brother. He yeah. deals with like this guy who's soft and nice, and it's like, you know, and it's like, well, why, why, what did you do? Like, next time you had to punch him, like he's trying to help his little brother. Yeah. And there's other moments where it's like this guy that's like, don't fuck with me, Marty. You don't like what happens to me when people fuck with me. Like he's clearly like warning, like there's a darkness inside of me, and I'm, I don't want to unleash it in front of you. Um. Yeah, he's well aware of the duality of personality that is in personality that his brother has. Which yeah, I think yeah, really cool. and I, you know, I think the thing is, is that his brother even knows it too. Like he has, he yeah. has a certain understanding of like there's this thing that like he feels like there's something that like this other per- per- version of himself that lives inside of him, and he doesn't want it to come out around certain people. Yeah. Um, the racism, the only thing that I hesitate and go like, well, no, I think that there might be something there, is that um, there's that moment when he, after the after the kid, after the Marcus beats him up in the, in the bathroom and the mother picks him up and takes him home, that it cuts from uh, him, like, going to visit that, like, like those trains. Mm-hmm. And running back home to have dinner with his parents to literally his dad referring yeah, yeah. to the incident yeah. and calling the kid the N-word. And you go, and I went, and it, to me, it was like that reveal that happened in the movie American History X where the little brother is like, well, maybe did it start with us? Did it start with my brother? And he remembers back at the towards the end of the film, I don't know if you guys have seen it. His father. Where he, yeah, he remembers back to when his father was alive. And his, he's sitting there having dinner, and his brother's talking about how he's writing this report for this teacher. And the father says to the older brother, don't you fall for that bullshit they're trying to tell you at school. Don't you fall for yeah, right. their, their N-word stuff. They're just trying to brainwash you. You know, And like so he realizes that, like, oh my God, it was always there. Right. And I think that, like, the brother has probably heard it funneled out from the father before. So I think that it's a very possibility that, like, whether the father wanted to admit it or not, like, part of his laziness could have been to very easily throw that around. And, and the, the father's also abusive. Going, yeah, the father's yeah. also abusive. He's so an he, abusive he's dick. instilled, he's instilled, you know, physical violence into his children also. Yeah. But then also lashes out at them when they use physical violence. Yeah. So it's yeah. very hypocritical. It, it, it was well, he's a, a bully. Yeah, exactly. Definitely, Classic bully. Definitely. Um, it, this movie really traffics in areas that normally I wouldn't... That, like, 
you know, so like Headless, the movie within a mo- movie is just pure exploitation. Yeah. Like, I don't go for it. Like, that stuff disturbs me. Um, yeah, like the American guinea pigs. And yeah, guinea, not, guinea pig I, I, I was going to say that. that. That's, I was going to say stuff, that. For me. That stuff makes me sad to even know it exists. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to say people shouldn't do it or watch it or whatever, just personally. I just... I don't even like to know it exists. Well, because but, it's like the friend says, there's no story. Well, it's yeah. just I mean, it's just people watching people emulate what it would be like to, be to a mutilate people. And really, like, uh, it seems very... Welcome to Videodrome. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. but, but at any rate, one, but this movie is not only that. And so that's why I actually really like this movie. I thought that word that kept occurring to me was epic. And like Anthony pointed out early on, the score fucking makes them i mean it, it's it doesn't i shouldn't say makes the movie but it really like is the the icing i mean it's it just separate entity that that is amazing it is it just it paints this subtle backdrop yeah of, of you, you just you get these this range of emotion from it you feel loneliness you feel um innocence you feel all these other different Majesty. things yeah these other you know it tonally it it shifts you know from scene to scene but it's beautifully done yeah it really 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 is it says um it's not your atypical horror you know nothing like that original music mike anderson as magician johnson Uh, magic johnson everybody (laughs) music supervisor carmelita viejo featuring music by aaron marshall bing satellites Lido valesco greg wright Matt Zink. So I don't know how many of these people, like, I don't know who did what, but everybody really did a great job. Like, it, and it just worked with this, this, I feel like this movie, and it's, it's almost like somebody said, okay, this video nasty or these like exploitation films, let's use this to tell a bigger story. And I, I know I really appreciated that. Like, I, I like that idea, and and you know, although, although things like the exploitation and whatnot make me sad, or I don't like to know they exist, there's still room to use that stuff in fiction or stories. Like I, I also I tend to play with that sometimes when I write, where it's like I'll take something and I won't like make what bothers me, but I'll make something around the fact that that exists, and so I kind of like that. It like gives it a different context, and and actually makes it kind of worthwhile to me that it, that those kind of things exist so i don't know i it, it was a it was a really it was an excellent movie i thought the kids narration as well was really fucking Definitely. good the voiceover yeah. there was it, it struck this balance where at times it felt red like i pictured the actor with like a sheet of notebook paper Not reading sure. it yeah. but there but he really delivered like it that worked it worked with the way I don't know. It was it was very good. I've never heard narration like that before. Um, I can say I have a little bit. I think when I was watching the girl next door, never saw. It. Is that the sequel to the woman or is that the pre the first one? This is the Ketchum, the Ketchum one. Right. So is that the? Cause... So it's it's a separate story altogether. It's just it's about a a, a girl who um, her parent. Two girls, actually, I believe their their parents die, and I think like an aunt takes them in, and just basically locks them in the basement and abuses them, and then lets her children abuse them, and you know all these other horrible things go on. Okay. Yeah, it's it's very very sad film, but I I remember uh, there's there's a voiceover in it that 
delivers very Similar. similarly and, and, and is just as impactful. It, that one's really fucked up. Which one? Yeah, catch him. The girl next door. Yeah. I guess, yeah, okay, okay. I did like the uh, the, intro, the intro to the film. Mm. Like, the comic book art was fucking rad, too. Wow. That was bitching. I was like, where do they get money for this? And... I'm not. I haven't read too much on it. I don't know if it was crowdsourced or what have you. But this this film was so. It has so many layers to yeah, it. Yeah, it really does. It's That's so fucking awesome. It's really cool. Yeah, uh, I I saw the guy who did the uh, intros, the comic strip. They really bring this comic strip because the the younger brother and his friend, who isn't really much of a friend, are working on this comic strip. And it's I don't know what the one guy. The it was. The friend had Roach Man, and then I, yeah. the, the brother had like a guy that had Baghead. Like a baghead. Yeah. And they were like vigilantes or something, but they brought this to life and this animated, like it was like a comic book coming to life for the for the intro credits, and it was just stunning. Um, oh, man. I don't know. I, I, I really dug this. I'd be very curious to see what Scott Shermer does next. I mean, it looks like, oh, Harvest Lake. I don't know what that is. Plank face, the bad man. I mean, it, it definitely looks like he's he has an aesthetic. That is for sure. Um, oh my god! Yeah, I'd like to see some of his continued work. So, all right. Well, I I, I really liked it. I don't know that I would I I would watch it again if somebody was like you know if if I know people I would show this to, but I wouldn't watch it again on my own. Does that make sense? Yeah, for me, I it's feel the same. For me, I don't think it's a crowd pleaser. I think it's one of those ones where I'd have to watch this on my own. I I don't know many yeah, people I'd yeah. show it to, but like, yeah. no, this is, I have a friend in Chicago. I would totally show. No, it to. I'm just saying for myself yeah. personally. It's like, yeah, this is one of those ones, kind of like Solo or something like that. That's like you know, extreme violence where I just like, okay, I have to watch this by myself, lest I freak everybody else right. out around me. I, and I, actually, I'm glad you just said extreme violence. One of the things I thought was a was really amazing about this is the most violent scene in the movie where the older brother is killing the parents the way they fucking did it was so nerve-wracking and awesome because the younger brother is tied to his bed with a fucking ball gag in his mouth the door to the bedroom is open and you hear everything and the camera is just like the younger brother's perspective as he's tied to the bed he's staring at this open door so it's like you see the shot of like the brother's room and the door, and the door's open, but beyond, it's just black, because the lights in the house are out, and all you do is hear everything, and then they kind of start to skew and tilt the camera angle a little bit, but you never fucking see anything, and it was so, like, I kept, I'm like, I wanted to see something, but I didn't, and like, but it was just driving me nuts, because it was like, you expect to see something. And it was kind of like what we talked about with Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. before, where you think you see something or whatever, but, like, it was... And the sounds were, you know, sound is so important to film, especially horror. And they just killed it with that. Yeah. And then, you know, you just get the striking image then of, like, the brother walking into the room with the gas mask on, covered in blood, butt-ass naked, yes. enormous hard-on. <laughs> and, I mean, it it was... Hell of a hard-on. So... You know, like you said with the, the stuff that was cut, like, if you removed just that, it would have definitely taken the punch of that out of the movie. It still would have been a great movie, but that just gave it this, like, 
like release almost at that point. It was, man, I don't know. Wow. It was something else. No, I'm really glad we watched this one. 2012, like, and I, I just felt- bought it recently, so it's sat on my shelf for what, probably the last year or so. I, when we talked about watching yeah. like a year ago, and I had seen like the cover image with the ga- I have a thing for yeah. gas masks because you you know I have them all over my fucking house. So, um, <laughs> but I don't have heads in bowling ball bags yeah. or you know. That's fine if you did. I wouldn't write a three you foot out. cock. Um, oh. <laughs> um, maybe I'll know about you speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but I gotta but, say. I, I, I gotta say one thing about that, and that is that, you know, before I said if you had that, why would you be angry? But then again, you know what? It's very possible. It's too buku. I would, yeah, I knew you were just, going there. Everybody, he just rip, he just rips those pants off, and the girls are like, "Oh no, Alabama black snake baby." Oh no, you're taking that. No, but you go home with that. I am no. But, but I mean. I had seen that image, and that image had stayed with me for a while. Like just the gas, not the not the heart on the, no. the gas mask. <laughs> and and there was just something about like even just the simplicity of the title found with the period, yeah. you know. Like I don't know. It just so when I saw you had it last year, I was like, oh, we should totally watch it. And I I, I really love the fact that you that when we when we drew movies, when we had Kirsten draw the movie, I just had this feeling that was going to be the one because it was due. You know what True. I mean? Like it was due, definitely. So that's and well worth the wait. That well was worth the wait. You know, the thing is, you, yeah, you compared it. Uh, what did you compare it to again? Uh, you said Solo. He said so, which I've never. I, I, oh, no, no, just, I just what you compared it to because the thing it was funny to me that you said that, you know you had some of the you had people you had friends that you would show this to and but it, mostly you felt like it was an experience maybe you wouldn't watch again. To me, it reminded me of. Um, May. Really? Just, oh, yeah. I can see that. I can this, see that. This, because even though it's told from a perspective of the younger brother, like it, it feels like the stakes are going up with the brother. Yeah. It feels like the stakes are going up more. I can, um, I think that's actually a pretty good comparison. It's an interesting way to tell this kind of story. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the stakes are definitely going up. Like you know, he's heading for darkness, and he's getting worse and worse, and. Um, and he's clearly set his younger brother on the same path. Yeah. 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 So, all right, well, definitely, if you haven't seen it, hopefully you turn this off. Uh, ten out of fucking ten. Yeah, yeah I'll go, I, yeah, you know, I... I Nine out of ten, man. <laughs> I would go eight out of ten, and just, like, simply, you know, part of it is just because it was, it was, it really transcended, like, what it was made of, and... I don't know. It was just very fucking interesting, well-made, independent movie, and just kudos to the to everybody involved. So. Yeah, but it was hyped for years, and I will say that it lived up to its hype. Definitely, that's uh, cool. It was good flick. Good flick. I'm I'd really say glad I own it. For me, it's a strong recommend. If you talk to, if I were to talk to somebody and they said like, "Well, I'm a sick I fuck. Liked, what do I want? I liked May. I liked uh, Henry Portrait of Sarah Keller. I liked The House that Jack Built. I'd be like, "Oh, well, check out Found. You'll like it." Um, and don't talk to me anymore. If you're like, no, no, no. I'm no. kidding. But like, you I'm know, kidding. if you're someone who's like, I like the summer of 84, I'd be like, not yeah. Like, not. I feel like it's, it, it's, it, it has a, like a, like a familial, like kind of distinction to it. Like, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's the whole thing of like this kid who's trying to stop the serial killer. But like this one goes so much farther than that. Well, he's not does. trying so to like, stop him too. Oh, that's true. 
But like, yeah, you at know, one point he's happy. Uh, he's oh, he's in, so, he thanks him for yeah, killing his friend. He often like, bully if you're, for killing Marcus. If, you're, if you watch <laughs> Summer of '84 and you're like, oh, well, this sounds like my kind of movie. Be forewarned, it's rough. It's not going to be that. It's it's more in the territory of definitely like Henry Portrait of like Color Man, for Man Bites Dog, that genre of like, you know, I want to see. I want to see the human monster yeah. portrayed as it truly is and hit that shit hard, and this does that. You know what's funny? On IMDb, I think it was IMDb, uh, like the uh, other movies like this, one of the other movies like this is Excision. Which is pretty good. Oh, yeah. man. That's a good flick. Dude, that fucking... That's... Uh, uh, I, what's his name? He's the same guy that did Suburban Gothic and Trash Fire. Yeah. I just remember Tracy Lords plays the mother... For for yes. It's interesting to see Tracy in, in, a, in the, the mother role. Dude. Which is really cool. That movie is that's a good fucking nuts. It's uh, uh, Richard Bates Jr. And I really like his aesthetic. That movie is fucking nuts. Oh, like, yeah. It really... I caught it on Shutter TV. We, we were watching, you know, like caught it early on on Shutter TV, and we we're like, "What the fuck is this?" And then this is—it was on Shutter. This was probably like a year ago, and uh, went back and watched it from the start. And we were both just like, at the end of it, I was like, "Oh my god, this it's is so fucked up." It's so fucked, but it like it has this, this like. Um, Oh, what's his name? The guy that did Happiness. Uh, and ta- uh, oh, I know you're talking shit. It has that kind of. It has. I don't know. This weird, like the darkness in suburbia. Um, Todd Salons. It has a Todd Salons. I don't. I don't. I don't want to derail and talk about that. Anyway, so found definitely. If you can find it, watch it. But be forewarned, like Ray said. You know. It's yeah, I mean the thing is, you know, one of the you. one of my one of the, the lines that I feel like is like a real for me was a real takeaway, as to like, what is this film? Is that moment where he's like, where the kid in the narration says, "My life is turned into this yeah. horror movie," and every horror movie has you the know monster. Who is the monster? Am I the monster? Yeah. Is is my brother the monster? I don't know who the monster is, and. Um, that, you know, I, I, you know, I, I always say that, like, you know, I think they're one of the reasons that horror movies, at least for me, are somewhat easy to get through, especially the ones that have, like, a supernatural or some kind of crazy thing, is that that's not real. It's bullshit. It's easy to get through, because that does, that can't possibly happen. There's no such thing as a alien from space that masquerades as a killer clown that eats children. The fuck you say um, when you when you but you know there was exact but there was a guy who like met children hosting kids parties as a clown murdered them and did paintings of it like that was a real fucking guy so the human monster is the one that's the most intimidating yeah. is the most that's fearful. why i don't i and don't that, serial killer stuff and this one is that and you're like wow and it really reinforces yeah. that like the brother is a monster yeah. and like um, to an extent, he realizes it too, yeah. and you know, just know that going in, like it's not not gonna be easy. It's yeah. not gonna, it's not gonna end, and you're gonna be like, ah, oh, yay, happy. Like, well, it, it like, might be a little bit like, ooh, it's not the kind of thing like you want a T-shirt of or like a poster. You know? I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's not, it's not, the, it's not, it's not Evil Dead, you know. Like I Good call. Like yeah, sure. not Evil Dead. You know? Or exactly. like I, I don't see cavity colors coming out with the found, you know. Uh, series, 
I just don't see that happening. You know, get the shirt with Marcus's head or like the, you know, the eat, the guy eating the eyes. Or the long sleeve has a big penis down there the you side. Go. Yeah, that would be actually. <laughs> so if you make colors, a poster of the brother naked it, penis with the, uh, you know, blood, do you want that? So, all right, well. <laughs> Take that as a deal. <laughs> for another edition of the Horror Vision, I'm Sean. I'm Ray. Hi, I'm Anthony. And uh, we are going to probably go back and pause that to see if that's a real dick, I'm thinking. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just kidding. That's not happening. Stay I don't want to know. 